Welcome to another session of the Poetry on Fire Fall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grun. This is where we get back to basics. The red letter basics of the New Testament following the example of the Book of Acts Church. In doing so, we find the church the Lord intended, not the one that man created, not the man-made creation that is doing nothing like the Book of Acts Church did. That's our example. That's the example left to us in the Bible. And that's the one we follow here on the porch. We believe the day of Pentecost is ongoing. The fire of the upper room still burns. If you'd like to know more or if you have any questions you'd like to contact us, go to firefalltalkradio.com. Use the contact button there. Or you can write us directly at the porch at firefalltalkradio.com. If you'd like to support what we do, there are ways to do that on the main page. The Lord leads you to, that would be great. We appreciate your support. And all of you that do, you are greatly appreciated and you're in our prayers every day. If you're a part of the porch community and you have committed yourself to being a part of the community, whether by sharing praise reports or prayer requests or supporting what we do or you've asked directly, um, you are covered in prayer by me every day. If you have a pastor where you are, that's great. But if you are a part of this community and you don't have one and you'd like to be covered in prayer, let me know. We come here every week as a family. We're all brothers and sisters in the Lord. And I appreciate each and every one of you. Welcome to all our listeners from the various streaming platforms. Pretty soon, uh, all of the platforms that are separate, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio are hooked to the Spreaker account. But I'm going to leave a personal message on Spreaker, on SoundCloud, and on Podbean to our listeners there. So keep an eye out for that. Thankful for another year. Celebrated my birthday last Friday. Another trip around the sun. Another day in the kingdom of God. And I am incredibly thankful for that, for his grace and his mercy. I'm thankful for my home, my wife, my son, daughter-in-laws, grandson, our furry kids. If you don't know my story, and I shared a lot, I threw all that away almost 33 years ago. But on October 9th, 1988, his grace was still amazing, and he gave it all back to me. And then he said, hey, son, come work for me in the family business. So that's what I've been doing this whole time. That's why I'm here with you now sharing the Word. I love to teach His Word. I realize that every Wednesday or Tuesday, whenever it is I'm working on the Bible study, how much I thrive on this. I mean, I study and I read every day. But when we come together and I share with you what the Lord has told me, it's a part of the calling and it's a part of the family business. Praise Him for His provision, for the Holy Spirit, for the uh, Psalm 91 covering he's given us for us living out Joel 2.28 for the book of Acts day of Pentecost spirit still be ongoing I don't believe that it died when the apostle John died there are people that have gone to cemetery um, I'm sorry seminary that teach that we don't we believe the gifts still flow the fruit still grows and we're out about doing his will so I praise him for that, for divine favor, for revelation, that we are new creations living in prophetic times. Thankful for the signs that he's giving us. He's getting ready to come back. Some of those signs are not so pleasant with the things that we're seeing in the world are indicators of what he told us in Matthew 24. But I'm thankful that we are saved, redeemed, and what the world goes through, we won't. So let's pray. Start out by praying for the peace of Jerusalem, Psalm 122, verse 6. May they prosper who love you. I pray for Israel. I pray for their new leadership. I pray against their enemies. I pray for our Jewish brothers and sisters as well as our Messianic brothers and sisters. I pray for America. I pray for its leadership. I pray that God will shed his grace on thee. And I've also, you know, people say pray for the leaders. And I have been since the election and since the way everything went down. My prayer is straight out of the Bible. That of the first chapter of Jeremiah. My prayer is tear down, root up, and rebuild, Lord. America needs your hand upon it. I'm praying for the people of Cuba, the people of France, 
and all the other people standing up against the tyranny of government for their freedoms. Please pray. Please stand with them in spirit. There's people are pushing back. The remnant is rising up. And we must expect, in, in accordance with these teachings, that the enemy is going to do the same. I pray for the fatherless and the widows, those that are persecuted, the martyred, the victims of injustice, the innocents in and out of the womb, who are being slaughtered by Hasatan and the fallen and their demonic offspring in the guise of people and government agencies. I pray for the missing and exploited children, the victims of human and sex trafficking, and I pray against those that do it, that they would be exposed, they would be brought to justice, there would be healing and deliverance for those that are victims or been victimized. Started January of last year that it became a focus point for SRT and continues to be one for us. And when we become highly mobile and go out there to confront the enemy and tear down strongholds and do what we do, that could be an added part of it. I'm praying against the growing religious and persecution, religious persecution, not just for us, but for our Jewish brothers and sisters, anti-Semitism, churches are being burned down in Canada and people are cheering it. Folks, we're in that time. Just as it was when the Lord came the first time, now it's Jew and non-Jew who will be persecuted and those that believe in him. We should not be shocked by what we're seeing and hearing. I'm praying for the boldness of the church to rise up against the boldness of the spirit of the Antichrist, for the remnant to wake up, answer the call. That's why we've spent all these weeks, 11 weeks, 12 weeks, if you include the, uh, the one on boldness, speaking boldly. That's a long time to be studying one chapter, Ephesians 6. The armor of God. I'm praying for divine wholeness, health, and healing in each one of us as we get back to our divine design so that we can run and not grow weary, walk and not faint, rise up with wings as eagles to do everything he needs us to do. Whatever you're going through right now, heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit are all of the above. I pray healing in Yeshua's name. I speak to you right now, even down to the cellular level. And I say to your body, get back to your divine design. Be healed. Be broken free of all that's been done to you, whether by yourself or this world or your blood lineage. Be healed. Be made whole in Yeshua's name. For all of you healed, healed, healed. For divine protection, for inspiration, for the fire of the Spirit to rise up. I believe if you're here, you're part of the remnant. You're not part of traditional church. You you want more. You know that there's more. You're hungry for it. And we're here to feed. We're here to dine together on his word. So I'm praying that the spirit would touch you, that the fire would rise up. Answer the call to action. If you've been blessed, be a blessing. As I've shared, and I don't like this topic, but I have to. This ministry has needs. Firefall has needs. SRT has needs. We'd like to get this documentary done. It frustrates me every day that I see the enemy produce their stuff and the garbage that gets put on TV. But we want to expose the enemy. We want to shine the light into his kingdom so that everyone, both the church and the unchurch, can see what he's doing. We can set the captives free. That the doors open that we would be conduits of his blessing to people out there, that the porch and firefall could do what the Book of Acts Church did, help people in need. Praying for our lost family members, what's the point if we go to eternity without them? And we know that they're burning in the lake of fire, or waiting in the outer darkness for final judgment. So right now, as I bring it up, think of, or speak out the name of a lost family member you want to see saved. And Father, as they speak out these names, I pray that you'd send an angel to minister to them, to speak to them, whether in dreams and visions or face to face. Send somebody that they'll listen to like I did, that'll pierce the veil, that'll open their eyes, and that they'll give their hearts to you. I pray that you would do this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Continued prayer for all that we're trying to do for the kingdom, all the various things that we're working on here at the porch and on firefall. 
continue to pray for my cousin, John Carl on Long Island. I got an update. Um, he's out. He's got a monitor attached. He's living life, but he's under the care of a cardiologist. So please continue to pray for healing of the damage done to his heart by the COVID vaccine shot. Kim in Fort Mitchell praises the Lord for his love, for her salvation, and her recovery. Kim, you are recovered. Past tense. You are a new creation. Even though they'll tell you you're in recovery, you are recovered. You are set free in Yeshua's name. It says, I praise him for my children and the life he gave me and for this community. I praise him for my friends, family, our dog Bruno, of course. Please continue to pray for me and the scholarship to come through. Folks, I do these things every day for us here in the Porch Live. Now, the videos that go into the Porch account on my Vimeo account, I leave this part in. When they go into the open areas, I'll take it out. So if you're listening to this, and I mention these things, please pray. Let's hit this in prayer. Let's begin to show people that healing can happen. Uh, protection over family, her dog, her possessions. She's asking for the president of this country to open up access to uh, the European Union, the parts of Europe that she has not been able to go see her mom. So she prays for her salvation, really feels led to go see her, and that's going to take divine intervention. Praying for the innocent, she says her friend Ty needs you to help her get out of an abusive marriage that she's in, give her the courage, and then finally to save souls in Yeshua's name. So, Lord, you knew all these things even before I brought them up. But by speaking them out loud, by faith from the heart, with love, and coming into agreement, two or three or more, however many are listening, we touch and we agree that it shall be done. And we thank you, Father, for allowing us the use of Yeshua's name and being able to boldly approach the throne of grace and mercy. And Father, I pray if any of your children are holding back, if they're lingering back, they're afraid to run to you, I pray that you would draw them. Maybe have an angel scoop them up and put them in your lap. Let them know you as Abba, as Papa, as Daddy. Lord, we love you. We thank you for what you did on the cross. Lately, I've been dwelling upon that, that you could have stopped it. You didn't. You endured it, every last bit of it, and dropped every last drop of blood onto the ground to heal us and to break us free from the hold and power of Asatan, to reconcile us to the Father. So thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for loving us when we are unlovable. We still do it. We still mess up. But your grace is still amazing. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for working with us, walking with us, and for being sent by the Lord from the throne room to keep us and to help us. We thank you for reminding us of what Yeshua said, for encouraging us and running alongside of us in this race. I pray right now protection over the technology. I pray that we clear our minds and take our thoughts captive to the obedience of Messiah. We cast down every vain imagination that would exalt itself above the knowledge of El Elyon, God Most High, our Father. We say, let this word come through. Let your spirit come through to us, Lord. And we just thank you for all these things. And if you agree with me, say amen. Lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. Yes, I did cut off the shofar, jumped the gun, and I apologize for that. So go with me to Ephesians 6. Remember, sound of the shofar means get ready, open your Bibles. Ephesians 6, starting verse 10, this will be the last time we get to read this together. Or at least right now. Well, it'll probably come up again. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. 
Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being Watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, Paul says, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. We've been called to stand against the schemes of Asatan and the kingdom of darkness in a spiritual battle that takes place against spiritual forces. Yes, there are human forces involved, but our primary target are the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. It's a battle against the ferocious enemy, which requires that we be equally ferocious and passionate in our response. So Paul says, take up the whole armor of God. React to the threat. Faith, that shield of faith, it's in place for the retaliation. That retaliation will come in mind, body, and spirit. Therefore, pray. And that's what we're focused on. Verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Everyone not just yourself, all the saints. All your brothers and sisters, don't look at them as strangers. They may speak a different language. They may worship differently. They may not get it all. They may get more than you. You don't know. But here's the fact. We are a part of a family. And the great thing about the Word of God is that the Word confirms itself. It always does. If you look at Luke 18, 1, it lines up with Ephesians 6, 18. And then Yeshua spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Colossians 1, 3, we give thanks to God and Father of our Lord Jesus the Messiah, praying always for you. Colossians 4, 2, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. Matthew 26.41, watch and pray, lest any of you enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. The word always confirms itself. You will always find scriptures elsewhere that line up with whatever the spirit's trying to say. If you don't, then it might not be the Spirit saying it. So Paul is contrasting purely natural or mental prayer. Well, prayer with our mind. With prayer in the Spirit. Prayer that arises from the Holy Spirit within us. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. This is a common theme in the New Testament, in the Gospels, in the letters, especially from Paul. 1 Corinthians fourteen fifteen, in regards to prophecy in tongues, that's what chapter 14 is, is about. He ends it with, what is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit. And I will also pray with understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with understanding. He's saying, I will pray with my Spirit by the Holy Spirit that is within me, and I will pray with my mind, using words 
that not only I understand, but those that I would share them with would understand. I will sing with the Spirit by the Holy Spirit that is within me, and I will sing with my mind using words that can be understood. What this does is it shows a mutually beneficial joint effort in prayer between your mind and the Holy Spirit. And in my opinion, the Holy Spirit has preeminence. You look at Jude, um, verse 20. There's only one chapter, so it's verse 20. But you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Build yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Now, for some of you, this is easy. It's common. You've been doing it for a long time. Others, you may be new at it. You may be struggling with it. One of the ways to do it is get your mind out of the way. You have to, remember when I said, take your thoughts captive? The reason I say that is it's true. Sometimes you have to tell your mind to shut up. You have to tell all those fleeting thoughts that come racing through. No, you're not of the Lord. You're not of the Spirit. You don't line up with the Word. You must be silent. Romans 8, verses 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. See, while you're making intercession for the saints, while you're offering prayers and supplication, the Spirit is working with you. If you will yield to the Holy Spirit and allow Him to do His job, you'll see a change in your life. This is at all times and on every occasion. Believers are to make prayer a way of life, turn their whole life into prayer, not simply for themselves but for all believers everywhere. I was in a place on Tuesday, yesterday, a um, place I'm going to for um, healing, chiropractic work, therapy to, to get my body back to working right. And the young lady behind the desk had a, her arm in a sling. It turned out that she had ruptured the tendons and ligaments in her shoulder. They had to reattach everything. She'll be in a sling for a a length of time, I asked her what her name was. Cheryl, by the way, if you want to pray for her. I said, I'm going to pray for you, Cheryl. She goes, really? Thank you. I said, yeah, it's what I do. I don't say that casually. It's what I do. Prayer is my life. And I can see some of the other people in the room kind of looking at me. One guy gave me the side eye thing. And I just said, God bless and walked out. Folks, it's the truth. Prayer is my life. My wife can tell you. I'll be up and out of that bed, 12 o'clock, 3 o'clock, whatever, be sitting in my chair praying. I'll be sitting here in the studio praying, be praising. Larry and I are on the phone every day praying, praying for the breakthrough for the things that we're seeking, praying for this nation, praying for others. Prayer is a lifestyle. The Nelson Study Bible, New King James Version says, Without prayer... All the armor in the world would be of no use. Praying always, general prayers, specific petitions in the Spirit are to be made for all believers at all occasions. Perseverance and patience in prayer are essential. I would risk to say, and I don't think it's a risk, that most people I minister to that are having trouble, their prayer life is lacking. They're shotgunning prayers. They're doing a quick little devotion in the morning, which is like giving your spirit body a bite to eat and then starving them the rest of the day. And I don't mean a, mean a meal. I mean just a bite of something. You can't live that way. Stay alert. Be persistent. Why? 
because the enemy is persistent. The danger of the enemy is persistent. Having come from that world and been battling that world for almost 33 years, I can tell you that if they have targeted you or me, we'll just talk about me, I don't want to say you, if they have targeted me for an attack, somebody 24-7 is incantating and praying against me. Usually more than one somebody and usually some high-ranking entities involved. But there was a time in Tallahassee where I was under extreme attack. And that was new for me. I mean, I'd experienced stuff before, but nothing like this. And as I laid on the bathroom floor in pain from an earache that jumped from ear to ear, which is completely unnatural, which was crippling, I suddenly saw a vision in the spirit of a candle in a dark room on an altar with a kneeler in front of it. And the spirit spoke to me and said, somebody is in front of that candle 24-7 praying against you. Sometimes the enemy's a little bit more serious about this than we are. And I'm not trying to frighten you. I'm trying to inspire you to take your faith and your prayer life to the next level. Now, the Lord gave us teachings on persistent prayer. Go with me to Luke 18, starting with verse 1. This is the parable of the persistent widow. Then he spoke a parable to them. That men always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying, There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him, saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continuing continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said, And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? This teaching on prayer is an emphasis in Luke. We see it Earlier in Luke 11, verses 5 through 8, about the friend who comes at midnight. Yeshua said, Which of you shall have a friend? And go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, although he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Be persistent. And that's what the Lord's saying. Some people will tell you, say, just say your prayer and trust in faith and don't pray again. That's not biblical. The Lord said, be persistent. Be urgent. Be bold. Don't be reluctant when you come to him. Be very specific and be earnest in heart and wholehearted in your prayer. Persistence is necessary, not just for us. And it's really not for God. It is for us, but it's for you to learn and to strengthen your prayer life, those prayer muscles. We should trust him. We should approach him knowing who he is, that he is God, that he is our father. But sometimes there are delays. Sometimes things happen. Persistence, the inopportune uh, widow, the inopportunity, boldness, shamelessness. I'll be honest with you. Sometimes when I go before the Lord, there's a boldness. Boldness. There's a tenacity. There's a shamelessness. Lord, you said this. Your word agrees with it. It's been confirmed by two or three witnesses that didn't even know it. I'll let you know on a secret. I've been praying for certain things for almost 33 years. I've been praying for other things for over 20 years, some for 25 years. And I will pray every day. And I will believe. And I will be persistent until they happen. He's not a practical joker. He's not a liar. If he said it, he will do it. 
but we must remember he's outside of time. But the point the Lord's making to his disciples is, be bold in your faith. That man was knocking on the door in the middle of the night saying, I need some food, I need some bread to feed my friend. And he kept knocking until the man got up. David understood this. If you look at Psalm 55, verse 1, he starts it out by saying, Give ear to my prayer, O God, and do not hide yourself from my supplication. If you don't know it, David had some problems. He had some enemies, made some mistakes, got himself into situations where he needed guidance and deliverance. Psalm 143, verse 1, Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. In your faithfulness answer me, and in your righteousness. Now, you're not manipulating him. You're just speaking back his word. You're reminding him of his nature. Sometimes I I tell him, Lord, I'm reminding you of your word. I'm speaking your word back to you. And if you remember, in this armor that we've talked about, there is no armor for your back. You can never turn your back on the enemy, and you must hope and believe that someone will always have your back. But the truth is, that may not always happen. And the enemy is consistently attacking, and then we should expect it. Not be surprised by it. Sometimes he'll go a little too far. Sometimes the enemy will have me beat down. It hasn't been lately, but I remember times where it was really bad, and all I wanted to do was crawl up in a fetal position, say, that's it, I'm done, I don't want to pray, I don't want to fight, I don't want to minister, just leave me alone. And in his nature, as a homicidal psychopath, he'll get in one more kick than he really needed to. After I've quit, after I'm down, after I'm out, he gives that one extra kick and he wakes you up. Folks, wake up. What you're seeing on the news, wake up. What you're seeing in this country, wake up. What you're seeing in the church, wake up. The enemy's moving. We must too. And he's not afraid of you. I know I keep saying this, but I keep seeing these memes on social media. These Christian memes about how scared of you the enemy is. Satan is scared of you when you pick up your Bible. When you hit your knees, folks, he wasn't scared of the Lord in the wilderness. He knew who he was. And you could say, oh, he wasn't the son of, you know, he wasn't the Messiah of the Lord. He'd been filled with the Holy Spirit. Satan still got in his face. He's a homicidal psychopath. He's a sociopath. He's not afraid of anything or anyone. So act accordingly. Matthew 4.11, And the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. James 4.7, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Well, if he's fleeing from you, that means he's been in your face. And he's going to get in your face every chance he gets. And usually he'll send a lower-ranking, expendable entity, demon, spirit, knowing full well that if you know what you're doing, that spirit's going to get cast into the dry and inhabited places of the earth. Maybe if they push too far, the Father gets petitioned to put them in the pit against their time, ahead of their time. But for the most part, the big guys sacrifice the little guys, the cannon fodder, if you will. But every now and then the big boys roll in, and they're not afraid. They're just not. I'm not telling you to be afraid either. Know who your daddy is. Know who your Lord is. Know that the spirit inside of you raised Yeshua from the dead. When that scripture says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, we're talking about the Holy Spirit, which came from the throne room and it resides in you. The creative power of the universe that spoke them into existence. Act accordingly. Stand. And when having done all, stand. Be consistent. Ongoing resistance. When we stop pushing back, the enemy overruns us. I found this uh, quote, a statement from Andrew Murray. Some of us, like I mentioned, are dealing with prayers that have taken some time to be answered. Our great danger in the school of the answer delayed 
is the temptation to think that, after all, it may not be God's will to give us what we ask. If our prayers be according to God's word and under the leading of the Spirit, let us not give way to these fears. Let us learn to give God time. God needs time with us. If we only give him time, that is time in the daily fellowship with himself, for him to exercise the full influence of his presence on us, and time day by day in the course of our being kept waiting, for faith to prove its reality and to fill our whole being. He himself will lead us from faith to vision. We shall see the glory of God. Let no delay shake our faith. A faith that holds good, first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. Each believing prayer brings a step nearer to the final victory. Each believing prayer helps to ripen the fruit and bring us nearer to it. It fills up the measure of prayer and faith known to God alone. It conquers the hindrances in the unseen world. It hastens the end. Pray always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Luke 11, verses 9 and 10. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who receives... And he who seeks finds. For everyone who asks, let me start over. Let me do that again. Luke 11, verses 9 and 10. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now, this isn't a casual two-knock door. Sometimes it's a bang in the door. Sometimes it's make a fist and keep pounding till that door comes open. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-20 Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Messiah Yeshua for you. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Now why would he put that there? Because sometimes prophecies... Confirm or add to what you're praying for. And I don't believe all prophecies. I don't believe all these prophets are actual prophets, at least not good ones. But if a prophecy is given to me and it's confirmed by two or three witnesses in accordance with his word, I will receive it. Rejoice always and delight in your faith. Be unceasing and persistent in prayer in every situation, no matter what the circumstances. Be thankful and continually give thanks to God, for this is the will of God for you and Messiah Yeshua. Do not quench, subdue, or be unresponsive to the working and guidance of the Holy Spirit. Do not scorn or reject skips of prophecy or prophecies, spoken revelation, words of instruction or exhortation. Or warning. Without ceasing means don't stop. You keep praying until what you're praying for happens. Whether it's somebody's salvation. Remember, it took me years of people warring for me, for me to get saved. Keep warring, keep praying, keep believing. That's what First Thessalonians 5 is. Paul is trying to get the church in Thessalonica to understand, first of all, that Messiah's coming judgment. In an uncertain time, it will take place. He's also talking about the careless state of sinners. But he's reminding us, not just them, but us too, that we're children of the light, not the dark, that we should watch and pray putting on the whole armor of God, being saved by grace, by the Messiah who died for us, so that whether dead or alive, when the day of judgment comes, we shall live forever with him. And that they should comfort, edify each other with these thoughts. Rejoice always. Maybe what's going on in your life right now, I say to you, rejoice 
You're gritting your teeth. You're shaking your head. I can't. I have nothing to rejoice about. Really? Your heart's beating. Your eyes are open. You may be in pain. You may be broken. You may be broke. But you have hope. You have hope in the one who sits on the throne at the right hand of the Father. You have hope in the one who died for you. Be always happy in your relationship with Messiah. Let him take the weight. Let him take the misery. For he's constantly there. Rejoice always in the Lord. That's your only hope. It's not in man. I believe America's in the shape it's in right now because we put our trust in a man. And we keep putting our trust in people, men and women in the church, who tell us what we think we want to hear, but they're not speaking the truth of God. My hope is not in man. My hope is not in a political system. My hope is not in a man-made system. My hope is in the one who saved me and died for me. And that kind of hope comes from interaction. It, becomes from, it comes from relationship in prayer. Pray without ceasing. You're dependent upon him for everything. Without him, you can do nothing. Embrace that dependence. And you'll always be in the spirit of prayer. For those who are dependent upon him, those who recognize, Lord, I can do nothing without you. Lord, you've given me a dream and a vision that is beyond my ability to fulfill. My hope and my trust is in you, Lord. Praying helps exercise that faith. In the Greek, that phrase means pray without intermission, without allowing prayerless gaps to intervene between times of prayer. It's an attitude of prayer throughout the day, not just corporate worship, not just personal quiet times, anywhere, anytime, no matter what. When I left that place the other day after speaking to Cheryl and saying I would pray for her, I prayed for her from their home. I kept asking the Lord, do a miracle. Do something so miraculous in her shoulder that I won't be able to explain it. Then she'll remember what I said. And I'll be able to share with her the power of who you are and of your name. In everything, give thanks. I don't care what you're going through. And believe me, I've been there. I'm not telling you anything I don't know. I teach from my experiential knowledge. Been there. Losing hope. Hope deferred makes your heart sick. But when it comes, it's a tree of life. Crying out for that tree of life. I hold on to the gratitude and the thankfulness. It gave me back my family that I threw away. And then it gave me daughter-in-law's. Then he gave me a grandson. Find something to focus on and be thankful for. And no matter what the will of God is for your life, be happy in it. And I know from interacting with some of you, going through some really rough times, and it seems pretty hopeless. Some of it's the enemy. Some of it's your own doing. And if it is, been there. Look up to him and say, Lord, I screwed up. I need some help. I repent. I'm sorry. Can you help me? He won't say no. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to be whole. But he wants you perfected. He wants you to be free of this world. He wants you to be free of your bondage. He wants you to be free of your mistakes in everything, in all things, no matter what it is, no matter how it seems. Be thankful. Give thanks. No matter what your needs are, give thanks. Get a mindset of giving thanks. See, the world tells you to lose hope. The world tells you to medicate the world tells you in all these different things, whether it's commercials or social media or all this other stuff, and even the people that are encouraging you that have branded themselves, we're going to be talking about that, maybe even next week. I don't need worldly secular thinking. 
I need the word. I need the Lord. I need the simplicity of the word. My hope is in him. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Are you called according to his purpose? In some way, shape, or form, you are. And no matter what the calling is, all things work together for good. Whatever you're going through, maybe he's, in, he's inspiring you to rest. Maybe he's inspiring you to pray. Maybe he's inspiring you to trust him. Maybe he's inspiring you to get into the word, to get rid of some of the things that you got going on in your life. And if we love him, we love each other. We want the best for each other. So we pray. Maybe you need to make a list. Maybe as the names come out or the Spirit speaks to you, you keep a list. When I first started doing that, I had a list of people that I prayed for, starting with my family, to my extended family to the people walking with me, to the people working with me. And it kept going, and it kept going, and it kept going to the point that my prayer, prayers are just in that category were going for two and three hours. And I began to say, all right, Holy Spirit, I need you to focus on today the people you want me to pray for. But by then I was trained, I was in tune with the Spirit for him to lead me and guide me. Ephesians 5, starting with verse 15. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah. But I'm going to let you in on a secret. Well, it's not really a secret. Not every petition is granted. Sometimes what we're asking for isn't good enough. It's not his best for us. Job demanded answers from God, which became eclipsed by the privilege of knowing him. Ruth Bell Graham Billy Graham's wife, they both passed on. She said, God has not always answered my prayers. If he had, I would have married the wrong man several times. I prayed prayers that I thought were him, that weren't him. But I couldn't see it till I got what it was he really wanted me to have. We should, as modern believers, as current believers... We should cherish the ability we have to commune with him and seek him more than what we're asking for from him. See, relationship replaces ritual and obligation. Intimacy, the kind of intimacy I'm speaking about, inspires communication. Oswald Chambers says, Beware of placing the emphasis on what prayer cost us. It cost God everything to make it possible for us to pray. Sometimes we get caught up in the delay. We get caught up in the price. We get caught up in the struggle. We're like the disciples in the boat. Lord, don't you care? We're about to perish. And gets up, stills the storm, and says, where is your faith? Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, the Lord prayed three times for the cup of suffering to pass him. But nevertheless, he was submissive to the Father's will. He didn't alter the outcome, therefore he did not alter going. Matthew 26, verses 38-39. And he said to them, them being the disciples that were with him in the garden, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if it is possible, 
Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12 talks about having a thorn in our flesh. And let's get real about the Apostle Paul. Most churches wouldn't let him preach today. He was barely five feet tall, bald, and had eye problems. Not the kind of guy you up on the you want up on the stage teaching faith. Smith Wigglesworth, one of the great men of faith and healing, had kidney stones that the Lord never healed him from, that he could be preaching in the middle of a service or in the middle of a revival, and the stone would move and drop him to the floor. And his wife would have to jump up and take over until he could pull it back together. Because of the surpassing greatness and extraordinary nature of the revelations which I received from God, 2 Corinthians 12, for this reason, to keep me from thinking of myself as important, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to torment and harass me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might, re- that it might leave me. But he has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My loving kindness and my mercy are more than enough, always available regardless of the situation. For my power is being perfected and is completed and shows itself more effectively in your weakness. Therefore, therefore I with all... I'm sorry, I'm getting a little uh, emotional here because I'm seeing this. Therefore, I will all the more gladly boast in my weakness so that the power of Messiah may completely enfold me and may dwell in me. Three times Paul asked for deliverance from the thorn in the flesh, and, and many people believe it was the problem he had with his eyes. And God's answer was, my grace is sufficient. Not the answer we would want to hear, is it? Paul claims he used it to hinder his pride. And even though he says God gave him the problem, it was really spirit of infirmity or whatever he was going through, but God allowed it. Folks, don't ever think he's not in control. Don't ever think that something happens he could not have altered. If it happens, he's allowed it, and he has a purpose in it. The greater good here wasn't Paul's healing. It was the manifestation of God's grace and mercy and power through a broken Paul. The New King James Abide Bible Commentary says, It's easy to think of our weaknesses. It's easy to think our weaknesses make us weak. Yet God can use weaknesses for every for very powerful outcomes. For one, God uses our weaknesses to help us experience his grace more fully. Paul had this experience during a struggle with an unnamed affliction. Paul said it kept him from being arrogant, allowed him to see that God's grace was sufficient for all his needs. Second, God's power is clearly seen in the world when he works through our human weaknesses. When people see God's strength rather than human strength, they put their faith in God and not in us. So if you feel too broken to make a difference, remember that God can use you right now. Ask him to help you to step forward And do whatever he needs you to do despite your weaknesses, despite your failures, despite what you think the world thinks about you. Pray through those weaknesses. We'll pray with you that his grace is sufficient for you. Ask God to reveal himself to a needy world through your difficulties. You see, our understanding of prayer will correspond with our understanding of God. When we see him as a father desiring to bless us and sovereignly free to do so, then prayer will become a dialogue with him. Hey, Dad, love you. Remember what we talked about yesterday? 
I'm here to talk with you again. I'm going to stop here. I'm going to pick this up next week. I think this is too important to not finish. We'll talk about prayer again. Because it's going to take prayer to get through the days ahead. It's going to take supernatural, powerful Ephesians 6 prayers to get through the days ahead. When the darkness come and the storms come and the enemy begins to run amok and, and begin to roll over the top of a weak church, we, the remnant, will be standing sword in hand, side by side, protecting those that we love. Folks, it's coming. And I don't say that to scare you. I say that to prepare you. Let's build up your faith. Let's get your faith strong. Let's get the word inside of you strong. Let's get the fire of the Holy Spirit rising up in you and burning hot every day, hot in love. That when he brings a name to mind, when he says something to you, you're ready to hit it. Not with some ritualistic formula prayer. Lord, I bring so-and-so to your remembrance. I'm asking you to heal them. I'm asking you to deliver them. I'm asking you to send whatever they need to set their son free, their daughter free. Send them the finances that they need. I badger him every day. Sometimes I say, Lord, here I am again. I hope I'm not bothering you. And today, Larry and I said that, Lord, we hope we're not bothering you. He said, no, you're doing what you're supposed to. The world needs the reality of Jesus of Nazareth, of Yeshua HaMashiach. The world needs the book of Acts church, not the traditional man-made church, not the dead church, not the church of the chosen frozen or the frozen chosen. No, we need some fired up people. We need some broken people. We need some people willing to get dirty. So I'm speaking to you. Whoever you are, whatever failures you've had, that becomes your testimony. That becomes your power. That becomes the gold in your bank account to tell others, hey, he did this for me. He can do it for you. He's walking with me. He'll walk with you. And like I said, if you've made a mess of things, repent from your heart. Get before him and cry out and say, Lord, fix my mess. Help me to fix my mess because you're needed. You're loved. So I pray for you. I pray that you'd receive this. I pray that you'd receive the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. I pray that you would know how much he loves you, the exceedingly abundant love that he has for you. I pray you'd have a revelation of the cross, of the empty tomb of the upper room. I pray you'd begin to fight for those things he tells you to fight for. I pray you'd stand, and when having done all, to stand. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. And let me add to that, I bless you. In the name of Yeshua, amen. I'm Richard Grunt. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.